Hello, St. Louis, and welcome to the STL Leaders Podcast, hosted by Brian Bisking. Brian started this weekly podcast to give a voice to leaders of our community, to share their story, their journey, and the lessons that they have learned along the way. Brian grew up in a small town outside of St. Louis, where he watched his father run a small business and was always interested in how the leaders in his community got where they are. Whether it's a local business leader, a philanthropist, or a celebrity, these are your STL leaders. Join us today, where we will chat with another pillar of our community on this week's episode of the STL Leaders Podcast. And now, your host, Brian Bisking. Hello, St. Louis, and welcome to another episode of the STL Leaders Podcast. I'm your host, Brian Bisking. And on this week's episode, we welcome Gary Wood of Striker Construction. I also want to thank my sponsors, Synchrony HR and NWO IT Services. And now to this week's episode of the STL Leaders Podcast. Gary Wood, welcome to the STL Leaders Podcast. Thanks for joining me this morning. Brian, thanks for having me, man. Been looking forward to doing this. I know we yeah. uh, talked about doing it for quite some time, so glad to actually get on the show and uh, help give some feedback about my story. Yeah, absolutely. Well, yeah, we've known each other quite a while, and yeah, we've been trying to kind of work out dates to get you on here, and so I'm excited to kind of share your story with our audience here in St. Louis. So I always kind of start, kind of talk to me about growing up and where you kind of got this entrepreneur spirit from. Well, I believe that I was born with that um, <laughs> at a very early age. I mean, I was always interested in making money. And um, I remember the first job I thought I was like really interested in was being a stockbroker because um, I was I was very interested in how companies made money and just like how the stock exchange worked. And um, so a very early age, I was like trying to analyze how companies make money. And obviously, if I could try to make money actually trading on the on the exchanges. So that was kind of my early and that kind of gave me some very good basis of business knowledge uh, at a very early age and kind of uh, whetted my appetite for going into business myself later. Uh, but I also, you know, I think at an early age, I was, I was scrapping metal. I was doing, picking up cans. I was into the baseball cards, just like everybody else. Uh, high school, I started a, a lawn care business. I think I had like 33 yards I mowed at one time. So, oh wow, you know, pretty pretty early age, you know, figuring out a lot of stuff. And yeah, breaking a lot of things in the process too. But it it was good learning, um, you know. And then my mom, uh, when I was 14, she started kind of a flip this house business, uh, and that's I've been so basically, you know, my future self. I've been renovating interiors now for a, ever since I was 14 and I'm 42. So uh, quite a bit of experience. Um, that was a pretty awesome experience too. Cause you know, when you're 14 and your mom's like, Hey, paint this closet. And you're like, mom, like literally nobody's going to see this closet. Right. Like yeah. nobody. And then like, Hey, can you pick up this pilot? Why? It's just going to get dirty tomorrow. And then to come full circle and actually be a construction company later on life. Like it all clicks now, like what my mom was trying to tell me. So no, that's a pretty cool. Yeah, that's a pretty cool story. Just kind of how you got into it. Uh, so it sounds like you got the little bit of an itch from your mom. I did. Yeah. Um, 
she was a very driven, uh, very proud of her. She actually worked 40, uh, retired from the phone company, worked there for 30 plus years. Uh, while she was doing that, she started her full-time like a uh, rental business. Um, I think at one point we got up to like 33 houses that she managed Wow! while still working a full-time job. Holy so, cow. Like, I'd, I'd see her literally work, work all day. Then she'd come home at night and do all her calls, get her materials. And then, you know, she'd have people working on projects and then she'd actually work Saturday and Sunday. And I literally like watched my mom do that for a long, long time. Um, and it was interesting because I got to, you know, sometimes you see things in your parents that you know, aren't good, or maybe don't realize when you're young. And then later on, you can connect the dots. Um, so like my mom, she passed away last April and that was huge. Cause it was basically me and my mom growing up and, uh, you know, she basically, I think worked herself to death pretty sure. much. Um, and so that was tough to watch, but I, I learned a lot from it. And I mean, I just, the respect for my, have my mom and the influence she had on my past was huge. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I'm sorry to hear about your mom, but it sounds like she had well, laid a, an amazing fr uh, framework and groundwork for you. And, and obviously you've turned yourself into a successful business owner. So let's, let's go there. Talk to us about Striker Construction. Talk to me a little bit about starting it and kind of, you know, how it's evolved over the years. And, and for the people out there who don't know, tell us what you guys do. Yeah. So uh, starting it, I'll, I'll start with that. Obviously, that was something I always wanted to do. And, uh, you know, the economy when I did it, it was uh, in 2011. The economy wasn't great at that time. Um, I wasn't making a whole lot of money. I'd always wanted to start my own. And I was just like, why? Why not? Right. I'm 30. Good idea. Right. <laughs> um, so anyways, I, I caught my boss. Uh, I pulled him in the conference room, let him know I was going to do that. And I think that weekend I sent out an email to my customer list saying I was going to be going on my own. And uh, that next Monday I'm, I'm back in the conference room meeting with my boss again. And uh, it, it's a good story because it was, it was interesting. Um, obviously we had a conversation about prior clients and uh, you know, at the end of it, I really respected how he handled that situation because he could have made my life hard, but like yeah. he understood that those were my customers. So uh, me and my old boss, Ron Parley, actually, you know, the respect I have for him, we still communicate and I respect that deeply what he did. Um, but after I did that, I remember, um, driving on my car. Right. And I just started thinking about it. Like I'd finally did all this time. I'd been thinking about actually start my business and I did it right. Like I had the balls to actually do it. Right. Right. Yeah. That, it, it is. It's like, you know, you talk about it, but when the moment gets there to really do it, you're yeah. Like, oh shit. I, I, I did it. Like, yeah, this is what I always talked about, but I, I remember in my car, I was just thinking about it and I was crying. It was like tears of joy, but I also think in my head, I was like, oh shit, I really did this. Like what lays ahead, right? Like the fear of not knowing. Yeah. And, and I knew the challenges were going to be extremely hard. So, um, early on, you know, I didn't have a lot of money, um, to start my business. I, you know, and you need money to fund it, to get employees and all that i literally started from ground zero so i worked out of my house which i drew I, you know i lived in desoto missouri which is about 50 miles south yep. and i would literally drive back and forth from st louis every day uh you know my routine was this i would literally um wake up probably five hit the road by six uh be at the job site between six and seven uh would manage projects like from the field which i'm 
you know, I'm more of an office guy. Um, but I had to do that back then, run projects. I would run around all day estimating projects, take clients to lunch. I remember sometimes I would literally have a change of clothes in my car. So I'd wear like work pants one one day. Maybe I'd take somebody to lunch and I'd dress into like something a little more nice. And then maybe I'd go to like a, a an event that night, a networking. But um, you know, usually I'd end my work day around four or five. I would drive home, try to have dinner with my wife. And then I would literally like estimate jobs till I went to bed, which was usually 11 o'clock or midnight. And then I would start all over again. And then my weekends were literally like catching up on estimates and doing billings. So I did that for probably four or five, six years, just like killing myself. So, so it was tough. I mean, you gotta have some really like strong will and stamina uh, to do something like that. So for all the entrepreneurs out there, like, you know, it, it looks really good, but it gets real. Yeah. Well, and that's, what's, that's, what's so fun about this podcast is some, sometimes people, you know, meet you or, you know, meet somebody like a, you know, who I've had Jeff Linehan on here before someone like that. And was like, wow, you're really successful. And it's like, yeah, but you don't know how I got here. Like there was a lot of work, a lot of grind, a lot of, you know, hope and prayer to get where I'm at today. Absolutely. Was, was that, I mean, there's just like so many things that you're not good at too, as an entrepreneur, right? So, yeah. um, trying to plug holes where you're not good and just figure it all out. Like it's an evolving process that, that, you know, I'm still learning today and I'll still be learning 10 years from now. It's just like, you're never going to know it all. And you're never going to have everything that wish you wish you would have had 10 years ago. Right. So, yeah. um, but it's an awesome experience to do it on your own. And, um, it's very gratifying to be, you know, chasing your dream. Yeah, for sure. For sure. So tell us a little bit more about Striker and what you guys do for those out there who don't know. Yeah, so uh, we're a commercial construction company. Uh, we're experts at renovating buildings and their interior spaces. Uh, a lot of us get called tenant finish contractors. So okay. basically, like, you know, let's say it's an office building. Like I do a lot of work at City Place. Uh, they have a new tenant comes in and this tenant uh, wants to take an existing space that somebody once had. Well, their layout probably needs to change to accommodate, you know, their business flow and, and what they need. So basically I'll go in and renovate the whole space to meet their needs. Um, you know, so we work for property managers a lot, uh, do a lot of corporate work for facilities managers, uh, you know, did pharmaceutical projects, um, industrial, heavy industrial. So I, I usually say, you know, we can build anything, you know, if it's got four walls on a roof, I can build whatever you want. Just tell me what you need and we'll figure out how to get there. Yeah. And so what, what my firm is really good at is really leading people through this crazy process. Um, you know, it's, it's like the permits and the inspectors has gotten super complicated as the building codes have evolved. Um, we're under constant speed and time constraints to turn bids around. So, uh, you know, you never have enough time to really put it in there. And a lot of my job sometimes is being the expert is to slow people down and be like, guys, Hey, I know everybody wants just to get it a number here, but let's slow down and do this right. So I can give you a good, accurate number and downstream, this isn't all screwed up. Sure. So um, that's one of the big things that we do with Striker. So with, you know, interior finish and tenant finishes, like you're talking about, um, obviously a lot of people went to work remotely during the whole COVID era. 
And now it seems like a lot of people are, from what I can tell, a lot of people are coming back. Like I know the building that we're in over on Creve Corps, um, uh, Grand Canyon University just took over an entire floor in the building and they're doing a big build out, right? So are yeah. you seeing that come back where people are, are going back into offices and more interior design and tenant finishes being done? Absolutely. Yeah. When, when COVID happened, it really hurt my business tremendously because the office office spaces really uh, went bye-bye for a while. Yeah. Um, for sure. Luckily, I did a lot of industrial work with all the new tilt-up buildings. Uh, there was a lot of those kind of projects, and it helped carry me through that really tough period. Uh, but as far as the tenant finish, you know, people are still taking space. I think what everybody kind of, uh, you know, it sounds great to work remotely, but like there's just this team and, you know, people learning from those who have ar already done it, you know, so like learning from your peers, that's never going to be replaced. And I think you know, interior renovations aren't going anywhere. Maybe sure. some people take less space, but like, um, you know, I literally was just at the Ameren facility. They just renovated their whole corporate office, right? And yeah. they they renovated the whole thing. It wasn't like they were taking space away and trying to lease out separate parts of it. And their idea is, hey, we still have to be able to provide a seat for every single person, but now they're trying to go to more like... Um, you know, figuring out how to do meeting spaces and the cubes now are not necessarily specifically for one person. It's literally anybody could sign up to get that cube and come in and use it for the day, but right. they still got to figure out enough seating for all of these people. That Yeah, that for got. sure. So, so it, it's a, you know, it's, it's an evolving thing, but um, I don't think that interiors are going away anytime soon. Yeah, for sure. Well, I would, I, I see, you know, I was just literally just talking to somebody about this. The remote thing for me, obviously, I'm in sales and manage a sales team. Uh, when it when the COVID when ha when it happened, I had to I had to pivot to Zoom and you know Microsoft Teams and all that and figure out how to sell through a camera, which was totally new to me. Right, okay. I'm a very much a relationship driven type of an individual, and um, so that was that was a challenge. Um, and now uh, I'm I'm gotten used to it. I'm I'm pretty good at it, and. Um, it's sometimes it's more efficient to, you know, power through three meetings over a, a team's call rather than get in my car, drive a half hour, have an hour meeting, get in my car, drive a half hour, you know, but I Absolutely. will tell you, I still would much rather sit in front of a person and have a conversation about their business than doing it over a camera. And I, so to your point, I think, um, I've seen it start to come back. Uh, you know, I'm sure, I know you don't David Singer, he, you know, you know, Absolutely. his business is, is getting up again. And so it's, uh, I think it's coming back, which is a good thing for, I think from a culture perspective, for sure. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Tell me a little bit about EO. I know that's where we originally met. Uh, I know you were a past president of EO and a lot of my guests actually have, that have been on this podcast uh, were in EO just from my time uh, being a part of the organization. But um, you talked about your kind of your first four or five years there just grinding nonstop. How did you get introduced to EO and how has EO really transformed your business? Yeah. So EO, um, I had no idea that EO even existed. I'm like one of those weird guys that had never heard about it. And I literally, I think I was up late at night, like struggling, who knows with what problem that made me do it. Right. <laughs> yeah. But I was like, there's gotta be other people that are going through the same thing that I'm going through. And I literally Googled like, uh, entrepreneur companionship, networking, something and EO popped up. And I literally hit the send button. And it's funny that you mentioned Jeff Linehan because he was actually the membership chair at that time. Okay. And 
I literally that next week had a meeting with Jeff and I remember I was in my, you know, work clothes that I talked about and I literally yeah. changed clothes to go in to meet Jeff <laughs> Linehan that day uh, to have coffee. And, you know, he starts telling me about EO in the forum and he's like, you know, you have to take four hours out of your day once a month where you're basically unavailable to the world while you have your meeting with your forum. And I'm kind of like backing up the whole time. Like, what? I got to take four hours out of my day. Like, what if my clients call? Like, I got to be able to respond. Sure. And he looked me in the face and he says, look, Gary, if me and if, look, if, if you can't figure, you know, figure out how to take four hours out of your day once a month that me and you need to meet outside of here so I can get you on the right track. And I was just like, I left that meeting like, damn, he's right. Like, what am I doing? So like yeah. that first meeting was pretty impactful because it started my journey. And then once I got into EO, like, you know, somebody told me about reading the E-Myth. I read the E-Myth and, you know, just trying to how to figure it out on your own and all this, who's an operator and like what you're really trying to do as a business owner is like, I'm not trying to be like my mom and just like uh, be an operator. I'm looking to have other people help build a real business. And sure. so the transformation that happened at that moment, like, and then having my forum, you know, the forum, being able to talk about business, personal and family um, as males in today's society, like we don't talk about like the 5% of stuff, right. We're kind of shared to like hide all of that. Yeah. And uh when you talk about things in your past that may be hindering your future, like that's hugely impactful. And then just talking about business, personal and family, like if one of those is broken or out of alignment, it's going to screw up everything that you're trying to do. Yeah. So, so that was huge, really huge. And uh, you know, the opportunity to, to, to join the board, I remember uh, Ryan Mortland, you know, he, he kind of rec was recruiting me. I remember, you know, just like, Hey, would you be interested? Like, no, no, totally, totally wouldn't. I got time for that. You know, yeah. all this stuff. And he just kind of kept on me and he's like, so, well, what do you like to do? And I'm like, well, I, I like to go to lunch with people. Okay. You can be the membership chair or, you know, <laughs> you can be the integration chair is what I started out with. And I was like, okay. And so I did it. And once I get in, like, I just, I have to do a good job and I really, sure. you know, enjoyed it and um within two years they they asked me to be the president and i was kind of like whoa that was not what i was expecting you know especially not yeah. in the time frame but um i can tell you it was an amazing experience um just planning everything out and uh leading the organization it was a it was a true honor and you know um i really would advise anybody that can get involved in eo that can get on the board um, it's a very great experience you know, yeah. just the experiences you have, like I got to go to Hong Kong, Amsterdam, Frankfurt, Germany, Paris, France, all these places. I probably would have just stayed here in St. Louis and just work, <laughs> worked myself to death. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, I got introduced through EO through a past organization as a strategic partner alliance, uh, SR strategic alliance partner, I, I should say. And, um, you know, some of the things that I heard about EO before I really started getting involved was, oh, it's very clicky and people are very receptive and all that. I will tell you, I had nothing but the opposite experience. You know, I, I'm, I was a salesperson. So every CEO in there knew what I was, what I was after. I wasn't, you know, yeah. but everybody was so, um, receptive to me and willing to go grab lunch with me, uh, coffee with me. I mean, it, it was 
it was a fantastic experience for me. I, I, I still talk to, I would say 90% of the people that I met through there, like Ryan Mortland, Jeff Linehan, David Singer, Aaron Clay. I mean, I, I, there's so many of them that I met through there that I still, to this day, still have lunch with breakfast with, um, just because we've built some kind of a friendship and, and bond, um, through that organization. And so I would also agree with you, I, you know, if, if you're an entrepreneur out there and, and you're looking for something to kind of transform your business to the next level, I would highly recommend that you reach out to any of those people that I just mentioned or, or Gary here and, and ask him to, you know, take, take 30 minutes to chat with you about it. Cause it's, it's a really good organization that I, I feel can really help a uh, small business for sure. Yeah. And I think it's kind of a hidden gem in uh, St. Louis as well. Just, just to throw that out there, like so many people don't know about it, but these are the gritty people that started it from scratch that are really like driving St. Louis today. There's some really amazing people uh, that are in the organization. So if you don't know what, what EO is, if you're an entrepreneur, I would highly recommend checking it out. It it changed my life. And I'm not a, a guy to say that kind of stuff, um, <laughs> you know, typically without it actually being true. So yeah. For sure. For sure. Let's switch gears a little bit. Talk a little bit about your leadership views. Obviously, you know, past president, EO, uh, founder and CEO of your organization. Talk to me about how you lead your team there at Striker Construction and really at EO. Like what, what is your vision when you think of leadership? I know that's a very broad question, but um, give me your give your two cents. Well, um, me as a leader, um, I'm authentically me pretty much at all times. And uh, so what you see is what you get. I wear my heart on my sleeve. Um, but I, I think my view with authenticness is like, it's it's a caring for people, right? And so I've created kind of this family atmosphere and I try to do that in everything that I do. And, and I really, I try to care. I try to understand people at a level that, you know, maybe most business owners might not try to do that. And, yeah. and just to support them, um, you know, I think you, if what you put out, you're going to get back from your employees. So like, if, if you care and you share, they're going to do good things for you. Now, I would say with my leadership style, sometimes the wrong people can take advantage of me and you can weed those people out. Maybe I hold on a little longer than most, but I care. Right. Um, yeah. But those who are good people are going to stick with you. It's going to be sticky. It's going to click. They're going to enjoy working here. They're going to be here for the long haul. So I do think that what I'm doing is, is a good way to lead people just truly being authentic and being me. It's just hard not to be me. Right. Yeah, can't, for can't sure. <laughs> yeah. Well, I was actually at a, uh, a networking event yesterday with the NHRA here in St. Louis. And there was a gentleman from McCarthy who did a our presentation on executive presence. And one of the words that kept coming up about executive presence, when you think about what that is, was authentic. Um, and I think, you know, it's maybe a word that probably do doesn't get associated with leadership as often as integrity and servant leadership and, you know, all those. But I think if you're an authentic person, I think your leadership style um, definitely will, will, will show from a, a caring perspective, for sure. Um, I don't think there's any doubt about that. Absolutely. Sometimes chasing profits and caring for people can kind of get in the way. Yeah. Uh, but when you lean towards, you know, the way that I do that, I care, I think long-term, if you're trying to build a family-oriented organization um, that's really impactful to the lives of your employees and the community at whole, I think that that's the way to lead. Well, yeah, and for sure. And, and if you're, and if you're empowering those and people and caring about those people, they're probably chasing the profits for you uh, and helping you, you know, hit those profit goals that you want to hit anyway, because they feel like they kind of got skin in the game because it's, it's that, you know, culture of that business. 
Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Where do you think, what do you think shaped your views of leadership on that? Was it just kind of how you were brought up or do you, or did you read a book or EO or what, what kind of helped shape that? I mean, your whole path influences who you are today. Right. But um, I can say kind of the caring part uh, and understanding people at a very, you know, basic level and the, the hardships that they go through. Um, so my father, um, when I was young, it was funny, my mom uh, and father were were divorced, but they, my mom literally, he lived next door. That was kind of <laughs> the the deal that they worked out. Like he'd work for me instead of paying child support, he lived next door and he'd babysit me and do all that stuff. But um, what I'll say is my, my father, he, um, he worked as, you know, for a lot of years and he worked at the St. Joe lead plant down in Herculaneum and a brick got kicked off and it literally landed on his back. And so from that point forward, he was disabled, um, wow. a lot of bad stuff from Vietnam that he came back with. And, uh, so I got to see kind of things from a poor perspective, sure, like not having enough, like, you know, um, Christmas, you know, from my dad to seeing my mom, like my dad might get me something and it meant so much more because like, I knew he couldn't even really afford to do that. Sure. Um, whereas I go to my mom and like, I, you know, she was middle-class, so it's not like I got, she would yard sale and get me all the cool stuff. Yeah. Right. <laughs> uh, but to compare the two and then just like seeing my dad, like, I remember one time it's in my, in my brain. Um, he had another, you know, had my brother, uh, half brother and he went to the store cause he, we needed milk. Well, he took like, you know, coins typically when they're like in a case, you know, that are old, you know, that's something you keep as it's worth money. Yeah. Yeah. Well, he didn't have no other money. So he literally was given those to buy milk. And, uh, I just remember it was just like, a, I was just like, dad, like I can help you get that. And, you know, he was so, he was proud. He, he just oh, yeah. didn't want help. And, uh, it was, it was hard to see. So, you know, I, seeing things from that perspective and then seeing it from my mom, it kind of shaped me to care about people and understand the hardships that they go through. Yeah. on the daily. And I think that shapes a lot of that authentic leadership and caring for people. I think it yeah. really does. Absolutely. I think absolutely it does. And I think that's probably why you're a good leader and why you have a successful business for sure. Gary, I always end this podcast by asking my guests to leave us with a piece of advice. And that advice can be on business. It can be on personal life. It can be on really anything that you want to share with the audience out there. But if there was one piece of advice you could share today, what would it be? So I think a big part of my my road is really understanding the vision that you want for your life um you know but i think you first you got to start with understanding your strengths your weaknesses like why are you doing what you do on the daily and you know once you start to figure out those things you can start to vision where you want to go with your future and so if if you start to look at it in that sense i think that the world just kind of manifests itself for you so you know you only got one life to live um, I'm chasing my dreams and I hope everybody else will too. Absolutely. That's, that's a great piece of advice. That's really good. And, and I've enjoyed this, this episode of the S Taylor's podcast. And so on behalf of myself and our show, I appreciate you taking 30 minutes out of your time today to share your story, uh, and being a great STL leader. Thanks, Brian. Appreciate you having me on.